Thanks, Pastor Dave. Don't look, though. I'm going to steal your stool. Nobody saw that, right? How was your week? Good. Was it busy? A little bit? I heard some oh yeahs, and I heard, yeah. <laughs> Were there more ups than downs? Or a pretty good mix of both? <laughs> was there any new challenges in your week that surprised you? Something out of the blue. One of life's curveballs where you just go, whoa, now what? No matter what I do, life tends to come day by day, even if I want to slow it down. I'm not a morning person. Who's in that boat with me? I have this awesome button by my bed. Something noisy goes off in the morning, and I reach and touch my favorite button. You know which button it is? Snooze, right? I'm ready for life, but not quite yet. Just a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And then soon you realize you've snoozed like five times, and, and you've got to get up now, and you've got kids ready to eat, and all of life catches up in a hurry. How busy is your tomorrow? How busy is your Monday? Think through all the different things that you have to look forward to tomorrow. How many of you are headed to work tomorrow? Okay. How many of you have to get kids somewhere tomorrow or pick up kids tomorrow? Yeah. Life just comes. The clock ticks, 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 ticks. And each moment comes, and whether we like it or not, it moves on. And our days get so full. My days get really full. I'm sure your days get full just like mine do. And sometimes I get at the end of the day, and I'm laying in my bed right before falling asleep, and I think, what did I really get done today? Was there anything valuable? It's easy to be so caught up in the normal, mundane happenings of life, all the responsibilities, all our obligations, all our meetings, all the places we have to be. And in the middle of all that, completely lose touch with our Father. Or at least not really embrace the fact that our Father God is there with us every day, renewing, restoring, giving us direction and purpose and peace. Because we get moving so quick that that we can't sometimes just stop and say, oh yeah, God, you're there, thank you. Or hey, thanks for being part of this day with me. And that's what this kind of season has been about in the church for a lot of years. This, this time leading up to Easter for a lot of years has been a time of renewal. It's been a time of, of focusing on God and what he's done for us. It's been a time of confession and restoration with God as we look towards celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection. So the sermon series we're starting today for this Sunday and next Sunday is, is to be renewed or renew. So if I say the word renew, what do you think of? Refreshment. Okay, what else? New. Renewed. So new all over again. What's that? start over. I think of a video game. 
because one of my favorite things about video games is no matter where you're at in the game, no matter how hard the challenge gets, you can always hit the button and start over fresh with a whole new life. It's also why I like to watch movies at home, because at home I can pause the movie, and if Jen and I haven't been able to figure out exactly what's going on in the movie yet, we can run it back and watch it again and go, oh, he was the criminal, I get it. The butler didn't do it. And that idea that we can just step back and start fresh is what renewal is all about. It's being made new all over again. And it implies that we're going to be made new over and over and over again. And I think as Christians, a lot of times we look at the fact that we have that moment of salvation where we first surrender to God and we see that as a step of renewal. But then we forget that God's renewing us and offering us renewal every day, every moment of every day. And so when you're in that crazy week where just everything's piled up and you can't seem to even think straight, you're so busy or you feel so much pressure or tension, we can be renewed even in the middle of that. So we're going to be looking at Lent, which is a, it's a religious observation. It's a religious tradition and practice, a spiritual practice that's been done for quite a while. Um, there's, there's some differing opinions out there, but it either started clear back in the time of the apostles in the church, or it started somewhere around the time of the third pope. So you'll find people that argue both directions. Either way, the church has been observing Lent for a lot of years. And so we're going to talk about how Lent is all about being made new and being renewed. And uh, Lent is a practice that nowadays especially, you probably are most familiar with it uh, being done in the Catholic Church, but there are a lot of other denominations, including ours, that have practiced Lent for a lot of years. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get there, I want to talk about another Catholic tradition, catechism. Are you familiar with that? Okay. A spiritual training. One of the questions that's been part of the catechism for a long time is, what is the chief end of man? Or what is the main goal or purpose of our lives? And the answer that you're supposed to give, according to the catechism, catechism is man's chief end or chief goal in life is to glorify God number one and enjoy him forever number two so we're meant to glorify God and we're meant to enjoy him forever Augustine made a comment he said thou hast formed us for yourself God and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you he said God has made us for himself and that our hearts will remain restless until we find rest in God alone. Psalm 51, 10 and 12. If you could read this with me, this should be a very familiar verse. Pay attention, though, to what it's really saying. Read this out loud with me, if you would. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain within me a willing spirit, or sustain me with a willing spirit. And then let's go to the next passage. Read this with me too, if you would. John 7, 37 through 39. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, 
whom those who believed in him were to receive. Is your life flowing? Is your life bubbly? Is it filled with those streams of living water just rushing from within you? Is it effervescent? Is it, do you feel like peace and purpose just come from your heart and just overwhelm your days? Sometimes, right? Sometimes. And when that doesn't, when we don't feel peace and when we don't feel the purpose of God welling up within us, why is that? What's going on on those days where we're not in touch with our peace and purpose? There's a whole list of things we could probably come up with. Think back through your last week. What was the focus of most of your time while you were awake? Work, school, homework, relationships, scrambling to get stuff for Valentine's Day. I saw lines of guys inside Safeway just circling the flowers. And even something like that holiday, Valentine's Day, it's all about celebrating love, right? And showing love to somebody. At least that's how we celebrate Valentine's Day nowadays. Um, Even a holiday like that, we get so rushed because we feel like we need to do this and we need to do that and we must purchase this and we should give this and you should have flowers and chocolates and a gift and a card and a date and it gets expensive and it takes a lot of time and it is a great way to show love, sure. But life is crushing sometimes. It's so busy and full. But the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be full of these flowing streams of peace and purpose that God provides, that that living water rushing up in us. And, well, if I'm honest, there's a lot of days in my week that I don't feel that way, right? Where I feel rushed or hurried or just ready to conquer the things that need to be done, but not necessarily empowered by peace and purpose in my heart. Not empowered by the fact that my God is right there with me in that day. I'm just going about the normal daily things, which isn't necessarily bad. But am I actively going through my day with God? Is he there with me? And am I acknowledging that and inviting him in and allowing him to really be there? I believe he's there. But there's a lot of times where I'm just going through my normal day and I think God's there trying to remind me that he's there and offering a lot of things. But I'm just doing my thing, doing my day, getting things done. Clock in, clock out, go home, go to bed, rinse and repeat over and over. But if we're talking about being made new, that doesn't sound like that. New sounds like excited to do something new. It sounds like you're refreshed and you're ready to go and you've had your early morning coffee and you're full of energy and kind of like how Oregon and Salem feels maybe when it's a sunny day out, right? And all of a sudden you hear like 18 lawnmowers start up right away. Everybody finds a reason to be outside because the sun's out and we feel refreshed and renewed. And that's what Lent is about. It's about coming before God and being made new and being renewed by refocusing on what the real truth of our life is. And all the other stuff, work, family, relationships, you know, sports, hobbies, everything else is great. But at our core, our chief goal and purpose in life is to glorify God 
and to enjoy and to love and enjoy his love. And when I'm going through life and just going through all the things that need to be done, I'm not always fully embracing and loving the, the love of God. I'm not always being rejoicing and empowered by the fact that my God loves me. And I'm not always glorifying him because a lot of what I do works to either glorify me or to glorify others. So glorifying God and falling more in love with him, that's something that can renew us. Remembering who God is and his place in our life. Uh, Lent has been going on for a long time. And the purpose all along has been to bring more honor and glory to God as we look towards him and surrender ourselves and give up some of ourselves to take on a little bit more of him once again. It's kind of like that reset button, that restart. We've got a little video clip to explain a little bit about what Lent is.
So that gives a little bit of an idea of what Lent's all about. Uh, it, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. 40 days set aside, not counting Sundays, um, set aside to really just refocus and be renewed by spending time looking towards God again. And in order to look more towards God and have greater focus, we, we want to give up some things or start some new things or maybe give up something and start something new just so that our mind is there. You know how it is trying to build a new habit? They say you have to do something like nine times before it becomes a habit, nine times in a row, and then repeat that again another nine times to really lock it in. So if we're trying to have a new focus and renew our focus, we're going to give some stuff up. And we're going to challenge you guys to do that. Whether you give up something for all 40 days, all the weeks leading up for, to Easter, starting this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, or maybe I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm going to give up something different for each of the weeks and try something new for each of the week. We'll talk more about that in a second because our, our church is going to offer some opportunities for people to walk alongside you in that if you need, uh, if it would be helpful to have encouragement and accountability of other people that are trying to focus for the next 40 days, roughly, um, on God and our relationship with God and what God did for us. And it's 40 days because it's, it's reminiscing of the time where Jesus was tempted in the desert. 40 days. Although if you look through the Bible, 40 days shows up all the time, right? Can you think of other 40-day things in the Bible? The flood, right? Actually, if you were to study 40 days and the number 40 in your Bible, you'd find a lot of things. So 40 days from Ash Wednesday, which is kind of that moment of starting and, and beginning and actually having ashes rubbed on your forehead in the shape of a cross, just as a reminder to focus on God and to drop our sin and, and to confess and be made new, all the way to Easter, where you end with a big celebration feast. That's kind of the culmination of it all. And so traditionally, people would give up meat during the day at least during the day, or give up meat all week long and then have that fish meal on Friday. There's been all sorts of traditions tied to it. We're not going to ask you to give up meat unless you feel like you should give up meat. We're going to let you figure it out. It can be anything, something that you would feel so that you'd feel that loss and you'd have an, a new opening of time or resources in order to spend more time with God. One of the traditional texts for Lent is from Joel, and we're going to take, uh, take a look at that in a minute. Um, but one of the questions I was getting asked already about Lent is, why does Easter move around on the calendar? <laughs> and it's, there's a fairly simple answer, and that's that Passover should come before Easter, and that's what the, the, the church decided early on, that they would base Easter on uh, Passover, so it would come following Passover, and Passover being part of the Jewish calendar is based on lunar cycles and solar cycles. So it's not like our calendar. It's not set in stone. It moves. And so Passover moves. So Easter has to move in order that it stays after Passover. Because you don't want to celebrate Easter and then have the Passover. That didn't make sense. So the church decided long ago that's how Easter would work. That's why Easter moves around. The three main tenets of, of uh, Lent are those three. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving or giving. And so our challenge is going to be that we spend time focusing on God by speaking with God and listening to God and spending time in his word. That all fits into that prayer category. And by fasting, giving things up in order to better focus on God and also focus on the fact that, that we have a lot and that sometimes we get caught up in things. 
and that there's things we should give up because sometimes they take our perspective and our focus away from God. And almsgiving, giving money to the poor, helping folks out that are less fortunate, um, serving in our community. We've got a list of different ways you can be involved there, but I'm sure you can think of different ways. You could do something more in our community or in our church to help other people so that we feel what God is all about. That's the whole idea. And so we've got Ash Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're going to have that open house time here at church with worship stations. We challenge you to come to that. It's going to be nice and easy, neat ways to connect with God. And then you'll have communion and actually have one of the pastors will put some ash on your head. And, and we won't check to see if you wash it off when you get home. You, that's up to you. But the whole idea is these different worship stations will give you a, a few moments at each to just connect with God more and be renewed by God more. And it's open house style. You don't have to go in any particular order. There, you, when you come in on Wednesday evening, you'll see, I don't know, maybe eight different stations around the sanctuary. And you can go in any order you want. And then there'll be a station up here on the uh, platform for communion and to have the ashes spread. And then you're free to go. That's what it's about. It's kind of the start of the focus. Then Lent goes those 40 days, not counting Sundays, till Easter. Monday, Thursday, the Thursday of the Passion Week, is the day of the Last Supper. Um, for those of you who get involved in the Lent small groups that I'll talk about in a minute, there will be a special event for you that evening. And then on Friday, the following day, we'll have a Good Friday service, kind of a Tenebrae service here in the church. And if you've never been to a Good Friday or, or service of Tenebrae, it's just a way to connect with the, the great sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And it's somber and it's, it's reflective. And then we celebrate Easter morning, new life, big party, big feast. That's the whole idea. So we're all aiming towards Easter, that moment of new life. But maybe life for you right now is more like dry and dusty and desert-like. Maybe your life has been busy and draining and demanding, and you haven't really felt refreshed, renewed, and loved by God. You haven't felt empowered by him. You felt like you're surviving and just getting through your normal days. So think of a desert. Picture a desert if you could. There's a great one, okay? That's the, I believe that's the Negev wilderness there in Israel, and it's huge. And that's not sand. Everything's rock, so you got to think rocky desert. But when you think of a desert, what do you think of? Hot, thirsty, cactuses. Oh, we got a list. <laughs> Tiring. Have you ever spent time walking in a desert? Sun beating on you. Water's draining out of you like crazy. You just, you're thirsty. Life can be like that, right? What are some desert-like moments in life? Dry, empty, tiring, hard. Do you have desert-like moments? relationships can definitely be desert sometimes as we drain out of us and don't feed enough back into us and we wonder why we bother what else grief for sure the loss of somebody or something that really really matters and we feel emptied and alone sometimes a desert can just be normal life just the busy ongoing day-to-day -day stuff where we don't feel like we're refreshed or renewed. We're just plodding through each day, making it to the next hour. 
Are you hungry for something more than that? Are you searching for something more than that? Do you feel your heart sometimes or your brain whispering, there's got to be more? Or what are we doing all this work for? Is it worth it? My heart cries out like that sometimes. Ever feel like you're running in circles in life? (laughs) Or that you're doing a whole lot of work, but it's not work that you feel passionate or driven about. It's just work, busy work. I used to think that about math all the time when I was in school. I hated doing all the different worksheets of math problems, and I'd think, what is this good for? I'd be tired of it. Renewal is the state of being made new, fresh, or strong again. I like that, strong again. You're weakened by the the curveballs in life that take the wind out of your sails, or you're weakened just by pushing through, and you get weaker and more tired and thirsty and hungry and exhausted. But renewal is being made strong again, fresh again. You're ready to just charge back out there and go. That's what God loves to do. John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that promise, don't you? That God came so that we would have life, but not just life, a full, meaningful life. A thief is only here to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's from the message. I like the way he translated that or paraphrased that. I came so that you may have real and eternal life, more and better life than you can even imagine. But do you really feel like that's what you have? There's a lot of days where I don't feel it. Am I the only one? Let's admit it. If you have a lot of days, if you have days where you're not feeling that new, fresh, empowered, driven kind of life, am I the only one? What's a full life? I think sometimes we think that a full life is constantly busy. There's all sorts of things going on. We're accomplishing a lot. We're involved in a lot of different groups and activities. A life is full of obligations and responsibilities. We talked about those. A life is full of days where our emotions go way up or way down or hover in a low area or a medium area. Life is full of trying to achieve, succeed, or impress others. Find yourself being driven that way. The clock keeps ticking. The day is over and it's done. It's so easy when life is busy to be lonely even in a crowd. That's in your sermon notes if you want to fill that in. It's so easy to be lonely even in a crowd. Ever been there? You're surrounded by people which you would think would be an exciting, fulfilling moment in life, but at that moment, even in a crowd, you feel lonely. How about feeling busy but not motivated? I've definitely felt that one. Or stuffed with things but still hungry for something more or something different. Restless. We may not have forever. Let's go to the next slide if we could. But we do have today. Time is limited, right? I don't know how many years I've got. I don't know if I have tomorrow. But I do have today. So if I'm looking for renewal, let's think about it today. Things can always change starting right Do you really believe that? 
that no matter what you came into here carrying, no matter what went on in this last week or what you're looking forward to in the next week, what's planned, that things can be different starting right now if we allow God to renew us and change us. I believe it. I think that's what God's all about. He loves to change us. John Piper in one of his books says, faith begins with a backward look at the cross, but it lives with a forward look at his promises. Faith begins with a backward look at the cross, but it lives with a forward look to the promises. If I want to be made new and renewed as God's child, I need to look back at the cross and what God's done for me and why and how he paid the price, how he took my burdens and still offers that, and then look forward through the promises God offers him. Tiffany, we're going to skip into the next slide section and skip the video and go to Joel chapter 2. If you have a Bible and want to follow along, come with me to Joel chapter 2. This is a very traditional text that's been tied with the observation of Lent for a lot of years. And see what, see what is said about renewal. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. That's why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. What a, what a sentence, right? He is eager to relent and not punish. He's excited to hold back consequences and punishment from us. That's huge. Who knows, in verse 14, perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you'll be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Do you get the sense in that passage that, that the prophet is saying, come on, guys, come on. Let's give this another shot. Let's go back to God and see what happens. Let's go back to God. Let's throw off all the stuff. Let's confess the junk. Let's go back to God. Let's be weak and land in his lap and see where he takes us from here. Now, what was going on at the time that Joel was talking about is kind of in debate. They're not exactly sure where this happened in in Israel's history, but they do know it was at a time where they were facing invaders from the north. Partly as punishment for, for their sin and unfaithfulness to God. So Joel's saying, come on, let's turn to God. And he says, do it now, while we still have time. Our time in life is limited. And God is hungry and jealous for our attention now. And when God's hungry or jealous, we shouldn't point fingers and say, oh, it's bad to be jealous. God's jealous of time with us. He wants to spend time with us now. He's our father, he's our God, he's our king and our provider, and he wants us now. He's not looking for shame. Remember it said, don't, don't tear your clothing in shame and make a big production out of things, which is often what was done back in the day for mourning. You would tear your clothes, and show people how 
how bad you'd been or how bad it was, the situation was. He's not looking for that. He's looking for renewed action. He's looking for new hearts. He says, tear your hearts instead, which is a great picture, right? We come to God. We admit our, our, our failures. We, we admit that we've forgotten about him in our day-to-day. We admit that we've gone on our, out on our own, and we tear our hearts open, and we lay ourselves in the mercy of God's hand. And what does it tell us from in that reading from Joel? It tells us that he's excited to relent. And perhaps, perhaps we'll have a reprieve in life. And God will give us a new blessing. So blow the horn. Let's meet together solemnly before God. We need to confess. And when we confess, God forgives. We return and God relents. That's what Joel was talking about that in that passage. God will relent. And he blesses. We rend or tear our hearts and give them to God, and he heals and soothes our souls. Have you had that? Have you experienced God figuratively or in actually taking his hands and healing your soul when it was really wounded or hurting or dry? Where God really, you just feel like he reached into your life and renewed you and made you fresh and full and healthy again. Have you had that? I'm seeing a lot of nodding heads. Nobody's jumping up and saying, yeah, but I see a lot of nodding heads. If you haven't had that, ask for it. Continuing on in Joel in verse 20, it says, Surely the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid, O land. Be glad now and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid, you animals of the field, for the wilderness pastures will soon be green. The trees will again be filled with fruit. Fig trees and grapevines will be loaded down once more. Picture that passage in the light of the desert we talked about, when life is dry and empty and alone and dead. He says, don't be afraid. The trees will again be filled with fruit. The pastures will turn green. The fig trees and grapevines will be loaded down and heavy with fruit once again. Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness to us. Once more, the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring. Amen. I think we're already experiencing some of that. The threshing floors will again be piled high with grain, and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want, and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am, that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. That's renewal. That's new life coming. That's the promise that God is always actively restoring us. And if you've ever opened a Bible and read anything from it, God's plan of restoration and his love to restore and to create and to renew is all through the pages. God loves to restore what he makes and renew us. So now think of a forest. Think, and I think of like forests in our area, so I've got a picture of one. There we go. Oh, I can't quite make out where it's at. I think that, is that the Mackenzie River, I think? Anyhow, think of a forest from around here. Green, vibrant, almost too busy with life, right? A little hard to walk through because there's moss growing on everything and ferns popping out of wherever and rivers 
and moist spots in the grass. You, sometimes we get so much of that spring rain around here or winter rain. And you go out and you step in your backyard on this beautiful green area and it's like a green sponge and water just comes right up out of it. It's so full of life and ready and, and renewed and refreshed. And that's why we love this part of Oregon, right? The beautiful flowers, the beautiful green. Man, my folks live out in eastern Oregon in a little town called Jumatilla. And most of the year, any direction you look, you know what you see? Brown. Brown. I love the green. And I don't mind the rain because it's worth it for the green. We've got a little video that talks about new life and how God does that for us. What was the focus of that video? Who is the you? God. And if we want to be renewed and refreshed, it doesn't come from us. You don't have to create it. You don't have to put it on. You don't have to come to church and put on a show. It's more about taking the time and choosing right now, because we have today, 
choosing that time right now to rend our hearts before God, to tear our, her- our hearts open before God. And like, like in the words of Joel, crying out to God, confessing what we've done, letting go of burdens that we carry that we don't need to, worries and stresses, coming to God weak and exhausted and trusting in him for newness and freshness. That's what Lent's about. We need to, to be renewed, we need to remember, and this is the you part again, the God part, we need to remember what God has done, that God has done great things in our lives. Joel was pointing that out. Remember, God has done great things. Surely he'll continue to. We need to remember God's promises for us. He promises even greater things as we trust in him. When Jesus left, he said, even greater things are going to happen, guys. I know you're sad that I'm leaving, but greater things will happen when I'm gone. And remember that God is faithful. Joel pointed that out as well. To answer and fulfill the promises he makes. He's not a promiser like me where I promise God. I'm like, God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll blank. And he does it. And I go right back to living my life my way. We also need to be still and know, right? Be still and know that I am God. God is always working to restore us and even all of creation. Notice God is always working to restore us. He does a lot of the work. Maybe all of it, really, if you think about it. And absolutely loves to bless us with good gifts. What renewal takes, above all else, go to God. It's time and participation. It's confessing and humbleness so that we're in the right position as we go to God, bowed down, letting him lift us up. It's a tuned-in focus where we, we point our brain, our heart, our, our existence to God. It's action and activities. It's practices like giving up and surrendering. And it's desiring newness. It's desiring to be close to God. That's what Lent is about. And if you have your Lent insert, it's a yellow page. It says Lent at the top. Makes it real easy to find. Go ahead and grab that. On it is a schedule of the things that our church is going to do this season to observe this time of year, leading up towards Easter. Ash Wednesday, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. And here's our challenge for you. For these 40 days, minus the Sundays, for these weeks from Wednesday till Easter, we want to challenge you to try giving some things up and to try some new practices or doing some more prayer or do more prayer. Spending more time in prayer. Spending more time in giving and serving because we want our focus to be on God and who he is and what he does rather than on ourselves. One of the ways we want to do that is we're going to have some small groups. Now, you may have a small group you want to do this with on your own and decide, hey, I'm going to let my small group know that I'm going to try and give up this for that period of time, either a week or all the weeks. Um, If so, great. But Doug and, and Caleb and Gene and myself will be offering a small group time on Sundays starting next Sunday right after church for about a half hour where we'll talk as a small group, whoever, whoever wants to be part of that, we will talk and share with each other what we've been giving up and how it's been going and what, how we're feeling refreshed and renewed, or if we're not, and just share about our experience in those weeks leading up to Easter. It'll help hold us accountable, like, how did it go with giving up that coffee, Matt? Well, it was tough, especially when somebody walked past me with a freshly brewed coffee, 
And when we have that hunger, pain, or that feeling, I want that thing that I'm giving up, we'll remember I'm giving that up for a purpose. And that purpose is because whatever I'm giving up, albeit coffee is really good, is nothing compared to God who fills in the gaps in my life, who will fill every bit of my life if I let him. So we're going to have these small groups on Sundays right after church for a half hour. We'll even provide a light lunch, some soup or bread. But it's really just a time. You can even bring kids to just sit down with a few people and share, hey, this is what I'm doing for Lent, or this is what I'm giving up. On the back of your Lent sheet are some ideas of things to give up or things to start doing. There's even a checklist numbered one through uh, seven on how to determine what would be a good thing to give up or to start doing. Just a hint, if it's something that's easy that you can fit in without changing your life at all, if it doesn't feel like it costs you something, then it's the wrong thing. Because we want to actively say, God, I want to be refreshed and renewed by you so much that I'm willing to give up some of myself. Right? Because we, when we come to the end of ourselves, we come face to face with God, don't we? So if we're willing to say, I want to be renewed and made new, God, I want to be reminded of you and who you are and what you're about so much that I'm going to give something up or I'm going to try something new. I'm going to alter my daily schedule or my weekly schedule so that I feel it. Does that sound like anti-American almost? <laughs> to sacrifice in order, well, maybe you could compare it to, you know, going to the gym or going on a diet, right? The goal is to be in better health or to lose some weight. And sometimes we make a choice that costs us time, energy, sore muscles, hunger, in order to improve and be made new. Do you want to experience God more deeply? Again, do you want to face tomorrow and the next day with more energy and excitement to be God's child again? Do you want to be made new again and again and again? Because God offers it, and he's excited to do it in us. We can come to him and we can say, I'm burdened or I'm broken or I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm too busy, I'm too whatever, and surrender all of that. We can give up some things, look towards God, and like Joel was saying, tear our hearts open before God and wait on him and see what his response is. Because we know he's excited to relent. He's excited to bless. He's excited to renew. And he promises greater things and better things his way. Do we really believe it? Because we spend most of our time on a daily basis doing life our way. If we're really honest. Do we really believe life is better God's way, where we're still doing a lot of the same things, but he is empowering us and leading us into it. He's being acknowledged by us and invited, and we're wrapping an arm around him or allowing him to wrap an arm around us day to day instead of just having him kind of over here as we do our things. It's pretty interesting that in the, in the Hebrew language, the initial language of the Bible there's no, there's no word or phrases for something called eternal or er, spiritual life. We talk about God changing our spiritual life. 
for the spiritual part of our life. In Hebrew, it's just life. And the spirit is in it. And so we have to bring those two together by surrendering more of ourselves and taking on more of God. And God is happy to jump in and lead us forward from there.